And what is up, everyone? I am Joe DeHoyos. I am host of Beyond the Woodline. And real quick, before we get started, I like to always give out a couple of announcements. Um, some of you guys may or may not know that I'm part of the Jevening Research Group, which is the JRG. And what that group does is we investigate Bigfoot. And we have teams all over the country from, uh, I wrote them down, but I probably don't know where the hell they're at now. But anyway, um, here we go. We have them in Washington State, Oregon, West Virginia, Maryland, Ohio, Michigan, Tennessee, New York State, Minnesota, and of course here in Texas where I'm at. Um, so if you guys have any uh, issues with, you know, Bigfoot or if you guys want someone to help you out with some property or even if you want to join the team, man, hit me up. I'd love for you guys to join. You don't have to get out into the field if you're unable to or if you just don't want to. That's fine, too. You know, uh, you can help us out by looking online, finding witnesses, finding locations, finding the history of these locations. All walks of life are welcome to help us out, and we can definitely use all the help we can get. So if you're interested, just hit me up, and, uh, you know, and we'll get you started. So with all that being said, I have Kara Phillip tonight. How you doing, Kara? I'm great. Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot for doing the show, man. It was, you know, we got to talk a little bit before we came on the, the air. We've communicated a little bit on Messenger. And that was really, really cool of you. So I appreciate it. And I just said thanks a lot. And you've already got fans joining the show. So hi, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Man. So if you don't mind, real quick, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you into this uh, crazy field? I know, right? It's um. Well, kind of the now I am. Hi, Christine. <laughs> um, kind of the now I am um, kind of primarily, I think of it, I am the co-host of a late night legends podcast. So we talk about paranormal, all things paranormal and Bigfoot. And we're going to talk more about maybe having you on our show because we love okay. to talk about Bigfoot. Um, so I have my podcast. I just finished up a five-year residency at a very haunted prison and spending a lot of time there. And uh, that was an amazing experience and I'm experiences over time, um, daytime, nighttime, everything. And how did I get into it? So I kind of my whole life, you know, was around, you know, spooky experiences and had paranormal experiences. Um, but more recently having the opportunity to be at this very old prison and all the experiences I had there really got me more currently like in the life, not just somebody that has paranormal experiences, but somebody that is actually involved. Right. Right. So if you want to say the name of the prison, I mean, you don't have to, of course, if it's private. It's in the Chicago area. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. 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 Um, you said you were there for five years. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. Uh, what, so how did you get there? <laughs> you know, what was that? Uh, volunteering. It's it's a historical site. So primarily volunteering. And that's also, you know, a passion too. just helping. I mean, I have a I have a soft spot for like old prisons, jail, crusty things, you know, old, you know, kind of that urban exploring aspect. Always legally, though, I have no desire to do anything, you know that I might get arrested for, that would be terrible. Right. So I, you know, I love just that getting to explore things and the past. So where I am able, I love to be able to help preserve the past, help teach people about the past, you know, bring history alive and preserve what's there. So there is another uh, nearby jail um, 
that I'm, you know, involved with as well, you know, so to help preserve and help them just keep history alive is really, is really where it starts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like that you do that. I like when, uh, hearing that people are helping out with those old places, you know, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Todd and Leanne Askew, but they, yeah, yeah they do that kind of stuff. And man, and that's great. I think a lot more people should, should, should do that and focus on that. Uh, because it, like you said, it's, it's a part of history. It's, it's more than mm-hmm. just a haunted place, which is Absolutely. cool. But, you know, it, uh, you know, preserving those old places like that, you know, it, uh, I, I just think it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what kind of experiences did you have there at that uh, prison? So um, while I was there, I will start by saying, even though I had a ton of, I mean, I have growing up, uh, you know, paranormal experiences where I grew up and just things that I saw, whether it was someplace where I worked or, you know, just different experiences my whole life. We have, we have Bachelors Grove here in the Chicago area, you know, so you grow up going to that as a teenager, really haunted um, cemetery. So all of these things that you grow up with and, you know, that I've seen kind of as I, you know, kind of started growing up, got busy with my family and, you know, maybe a little distracted, maybe a little further from being able to perceive anything else. I really stopped eventually having the experiences and, or they really started to kind of drop off. I eventually became a nurse and I always say, once I became a nurse, I stopped seeing anything. Um, and I think I didn't never really thought about it at the time, but I, work in the critical care setting, I'm around, you know, probably the veil all the time. And I think, you know, not consciously, but I think I kind of blocked that off. I'm not going to see anything, right? I don't want to. (laughs) I don't need to. So for years, just nothing. No, I, you know, and kind of feeling no connection with the other side. No, you know, no perceptions of anything. And when I first started going to this place, to this um, historic site, people talked about it being haunted. People talked about experiences and I would say, please, you know, I, I kind of, I would get kind of frustrated. I'd be, I'll go in there by myself and I'll go sweep and clean up and maybe something will happen, please. And nothing would. Um, admittedly, I would sometimes, you know, every now and again, I would kind of hear whispering or I would see something and I would be like, and I would say to a friend, did you hear that? Did you see that? And they would, you know, we would share experiences and, you know, see things, but it was never kind of enough for me to believe it. Right. You know, it didn't, it didn't smack me in the face enough. I was like, well, even though she heard that whispering, <laughs> that didn't happen. That wasn't real. Cause it just didn't seem, I don't know. It wasn't what I was looking for it to be. It just wasn't enough maybe. And I, I think deep down, I wanted to be kind of a skeptic. You know, I've seen this stuff before, not anymore. You know, I don't know what I was thinking, but I, you know, I wanted it, but I, I think there was that like denial aspect too, you know, just being shut off. Um, and as time went on, you know, I, it was a couple of years and going and even helping with paranormal tours, even, you know, being part of that and not really seeing anything. Then finally one night I, we were, were one day, I should start with one day. I was cleaning up in one of the cell blocks and I kept feeling like I was being watched from down, you know, from part of the building. And it just, you know, really felt like being leered at, you know, you could tell when somebody's watching you really staring at you and it just, it was really uncomfortable. And I said to a friend of mine, really, there's somebody there, you know, this is, and it was down actually a cell block that other people have said they've seen 
somebody. You know, people would say to me, I see somebody down there. And I would say, I, I don't. I believe you, but I don't. So I couldn't see anything, but I just kept feeling it. That night we were there for a paranormal tour. And I, because, you know, I'm over here begging for an experience, not having them. I was always willing to go put my back to the darkness, you know, go down the cell block. Nothing's going to happen. You know, I was more afraid of the living than the dead. Right. So, um, the dead aren't going to do anything to you, but we will see that I like to run. Um, so I, some guests said, can we go down there? You know, I, I, I hear something. Do you hear something? And, you know, sure enough, we heard like keys, like old keys kind of clinging as somebody walked. And I said, oh, no, you know, because we all hear this. <laughs> so nobody's down there. Right. And we see like a point of light, kind of like somebody's holding a flashlight, but it's not bright. It's not illuminating anything. It's just like a point of light. And I thought, oh, no, because we all see this. We all see this. We all hear this. And it's kind of like it's walking towards us. And they said, can we go down there? I said, sure, I'll walk with you. We go down there. And we kind of keep hearing it and seeing it. But then it kind of goes away. Okay, I can pretend that didn't happen, even though, again, right, it was another shared experience. You know, we all heard and saw it, but I'm going, well, that wasn't, nothing happened. Um, so then, you know, a little bit later, you know, 10, 20 minutes later, another set of guests I say, can we go down there? There's, I keep hearing something. Can we go down there? And I said, oh, sure, let's go down there. And the key sound was a little louder and it was just, you know, it felt a little more ominous and I felt like somebody was watching me and like I felt earlier the day in the day, right? You know, that same exact feeling that as the morning. And then all of a sudden, just in front of me, just a big, a big, you know, is it, you know, I say like a mass, it's, you know, not even a shadow, but just like a big outline, big of a person, you know, just, it was definitely, you know, not perfectly anyway, like a big shadow, basically just stepped out right in front of me with that same sound. And I knew it was the same feeling as earlier. I just knew that this was what was watching me. I knew it's what we were hearing earlier. And, you know, very brave handling emergencies. Me said, oh, and I ran. I turned around and ran. I left. I just left. <laughs> I made it like, you know, I made it to the group of people. I didn't leave, you know, the, you know, the prison or anything. I made it to the next group of people. And I said, I, uh, oh my goodness, you know, and said, and somebody that worked there said, you know, knowing what I do for work goes nice to see how you handle emergencies. <laughs> and I said, this is different. This is stop. So, um, you know, and so I now, you know, kind of towards the end, I call him my guard. He was clearly a guard. It's guards at night that are walking through the halls. Um, you know, and just the way he was looking, maybe not sure what I was doing as I was walking earlier. I was walking in and out of the cells, cleaning them earlier that day. I think just watching, like, what are you doing? Like, why, who, who do you think, why, why are you doing this? And just that look and just that, you know, hearing the keys, seeing the flashlight, you know, just kind of that ominous, you know, feeling a little bit. Um, we've heard footsteps, like guard footsteps, you know, above us on a metal, you know, I don't want to say great metal plate that's over the grates. Um, and we've all kind of had experiences with this entity, and I really believe it's the same one since then. We had right before that opened up a cell block that was sealed up before that. And um, so we think once we opened it, he was able to start passing freely. And and he would. He, I think, has, you know, now as time went on, he had people that he liked, people that he didn't like as much, and people would kind of have different experiences with him. 
after a while, I did not feel like it was ominous. I wasn't scared. I didn't feel like I had to run. I felt like he would be just up. Sometimes I would see somebody just like, you know, whether it was the same one or not, somebody kind of leaning over the gallery watching, you know, just kind of looking, or I would see a shadow walking. And that got to be a really normal feeling. And, um, you know, when investigation groups would come, even there was a ESTA session that it was, you know, said they were the guard and, you know, was able to name some of us and who they liked and who they didn't like. <laughs> so, so that's my, that's my favorite story because it's my, you know, my favorite entity there. There's a lot more stories I can tell them for, you know, days, but that's my favorite because that was, so from that point on, and that's part of the reason why it's my favorite from that point on, I guess, whatever, whatever it was, I started to believe what I saw. So instead of, instead of hearing the whispers and so did somebody else or seeing the shadow walking and somebody else saw it instead of saying that didn't really happen, even though both of us saw it, that didn't really happen. Now I'm like, yep, that's happening. Like I could trust myself and I could believe, you know, this is what's happening. So from there forward, it was really normal. And you can, I could feel kind of connected, you know, and to know, like if I walk into a space, yep, it's dead tonight, nothing's going to happen. Or wow, do you feel that, you know, and, and to know you're going to see something and every area has a different, you know, kind of, you know, different kind of spirit that you're going to encounter different kind of, you know, vibe basically for lack of a better term and just kind of knowing what you're going to come across and what you can expect with consistency. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it's funny because you made me think about something when you were talking about how, you know, like you got married and what, what have you this, mm -hmm. that was kind of my same thing too because i grew up you know believing in all this stuff and even when i got old enough to cut uh grass that's what i would do with the money i was earning you know was buying books so that i could read all oh. this, you know and uh whether it was paranormal ufo bigfoot whatever i could find at that time because there wasn't like a whole lot yeah uh, but if i could find a book on it that's what i would do i would buy those books but then after high school you know, went to college, got married, had kids, you know, mm -hmm. life, you know, life starts happening. So I kind of put that off to the side. And uh, then when the Bigfoot show started coming out, I started paying more attention to that, and getting more involved in that. And I think opening up to that is what led to, you know, my paranormal experiences. Yeah. So, yeah you know, and uh, so, yeah, so, you know, that just made me think about that, that I had never thought of it that way, that me opening myself up. Mm -hmm. about the other stuff to kind of come through. Well, know. and life is noisy, right? You know, especially when you have little kids, like literally noisy, but also just what do we have to get to? What do I have to do next? It's all of these things. And you're not thinking, you know, you're not able to really center yourself or think about even your next step. You're always responding to everybody else's, you know, yeah. needs and next step. So for me, yeah, my kids are older now. I don't have to, you know, I can say to them, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go to this cool thing, you know, at the end of July, how about you take the day off? So the dogs get watched, you know, and that's, you know, I don't have to say, Oh no, what am I going to do with the kids? I say, well, hold it down. I'll see you right. later. And that's, that means I get, well, that's also more fun. Right. But also I get to, I get to have those experiences and really open up to what's around me. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that too because my, as my kids got older then i was able to do more and even bring them along like when uh mm -hmm. i started getting involved in the bigfoot thing uh, i was bringing them to the woods with me because by the time my youngest was maybe 12 
you know? Oh, how fun. And uh, so I think I was probably using them as bait. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> in, in retrospect, I was using them as bait, you know. Uh, yeah, man, it, you know, that's pretty cool. And it's, it's funny how, like, like I said, the noise from life itself, if you can eliminate that in some, mm-hmm. some uh, you know, to some degree, I think everything else kind of opens up for you. Yeah. yeah. So did you ever go and investigate any other places than, other than the, the prison that you were at? Um, so nothing. So that's why I say like now that it's time, you know, uh, that relationship has ended. So now it's time to move on to other places. So there's um, a jail in Crown Point. Uh, Indiana. It's actually the Dillinger, you know, public enemies was uh, filmed there. And I mean, kind of happened there. Right. Um, So that one, I haven't gotten to investigate getting um, more involved in like just learning the history right now, but any, so the tough thing for me, I think I learned one thing I learned with um, my time there and just in my research, the Warrens had a good theory and probably some other people too have come up with it. When you have that time to be, you know, kind of with the ghosts, right. You form a relationship and also your, everybody is unique and their energy is unique. So you have different experiences than other people. So my hope is to get around to other places and do more investigations, but also to develop relationships at locations to have that time and exposure. Because I think, you know, I feel like it took me it took me that amount of time to get used to the environment and who was there and then for them to get used to who was there. So I, you know, when it comes to the prison. So I think I look forward to other places, hopefully forming that relationship with the ghosts, as funny as that maybe sounds to say out loud in a whole sentence. But, <laughs> you know, to really, you know, kind of immerse in their history, in their environment and be seen as somebody that's safe for them to interact with instead of just another person coming in going, what year is it? Right. Yeah. Are, what did you do? You know, like, and expecting them to yell back at you through a spirit box. I think sometimes that gets, you know, I, I've watched a lot of people do stuff like that and then they go, oh, there's nothing here. And I go, how many people can yell at you? What year is it? Right. Are you here? Yeah. How many people are here? <laughs> You know, and like, I always just think they don't want to talk to you. They don't. Yeah. Yeah. Make two knocks if you're here, right? Yeah. So don't I just kind of want to be able, to, <laughs> be able to like immerse and have that relationship. So, yeah. um, so yeah, like as much as I can, I'm going to tag along with friends kind of coming up. I think that's my plan for this year. I'm also in school. I work full time. I'm in school. You know, I have the stuff going on. So, and it's just summertime. I'd like to go on a bike ride one day. I haven't yet this year. So. So it's so hard to fit it all in. Right. And every weekend is precious. So um, in at the end of July, I'll be going with uh, Chris Fleming's tour to Indiana State Sanatorium. So that's I'm really excited about that. Um, Like I said earlier, my husband this morning out of nowhere said too bad. It's such a big country. You know, that sucks. And what are you talking about? Why? because everything's so far. So, you know, to really just take that weekend and even a three hour drive, that's, you know, that takes some time, right? So we're going to go on Saturday, be up all night, come back on Sunday and hopefully sleep enough to go back to real world on Monday. And so that's, that's a tough thing. And I, there are so many amazing people that really like have that like high level of dedication, (laughs) but it's a little hard to keep up with sometimes. I'll, I give them credit. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right, man, about it being a big country. I mean, just here in Texas, 
Um, there's so much stuff to do here. Yeah, it's huge. And huge. Even if I want to go up like around the Dallas area, that's still a four-hour drive for me. Get out. Right? Okay, I didn't realize how I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and be a little ignorant. That is huge. <laughs> because yeah. yeah. i'm thinking how far i mean illinois you can really drive for a while but yeah no it's crazy yeah. well like from houston to el paso is like a 14 hour drive shut <laughs> up i never thought about it i will fully yeah. admit i've never given it a thought yeah that is crazy and i've made that twice uh that drive a few times in my life you know because uh, i went through like carlsbad caverns i don't know if you know anything about carlsbad that caverns. sounds amazing but yeah that's so far away yeah yeah, it's a it's a good drive away, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, you know, uh, that's one thing I ask about. You know, when I ask people who who want to participate in the Bigfoot thing, they help me out here in Texas because there's so much land to cover in Texas, you know, and uh, so that's why I was trying to find people to help me out. But um, yeah, you talked about growing up. Uh, what was that like growing up? Where you did you have experiences or? So I I always say and it's funny to me, but it's. It's totally true. My first like ghost experience, I don't remember. Um, I we moved into a house. My parents lived in a condo, and we moved into a great house. It's the house I grew up in, and even returned to later. Um, they pretty recently left it, um, and growing and it was one. So the guy that built it, there was a guy that built it. It was the Bauer subdivision, and his name was Bauer, Mister Bauer, and he and his wife had one daughter and they were selling the house. The white Mrs. Bauer had died. And I don't know, honestly, I don't know if she died in the house or where this happened, but she had died. And he and his daughter, they were older, decided to move to Arizona. As the story goes, I, I don't remember it because I was pretty little. And when he met my parents and me, he said, it's you guys, you know, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he wanted us to move in the house because they had one daughter. I was one daughter. I'm an only child. So, um, great, great house, great neighborhood, great place to grow up. And I had her bedroom, the daughter's bedroom. This is fine. Wonderful bedroom. My mom would sometimes walking up the stairs here talking, you know, so I was two, three ish, you know, somewhere in there when we moved in two and a half, she would hear me talking, you know, like babbling, and she would hear somebody talking to me. And she'll say, you know, I, when I tell the story now, she'll go, you know, I'll say like, oh, she didn't tell my dad, she didn't do anything. Cause I think that's like, I go, how did you not, you know, I, I grew up like always hearing the story, I guess. And I was older when I finally said, how did you not do something about that? Like you heard, cause this is long before you room, right? It was a long time ago. Like, how did you not run in there? That's crazy, right? Like, if you hear talking. Um, but she never said anything, never said anything to my dad because he just, you know, he just would have been like, whatever, you know, not that she was like afraid to say something or whatever. She just would have, he would have whatevered it, thought she was just, you know, making, you know, saying something nutty. Cause to him, it's not even like in the realm of possibility, right? Like he would never think about that. So he's he would just be like, okay. Um, but then she never felt like there was any danger. She always just felt like, okay, this is fine because come to find out, like you grow up and, you know, I always say in Chicago, you grow up spooky that there's plenty of ghost type stuff everywhere, right? Like it's, it's a normal conversation to talk about ghosts. You know, nobody thinks anything of it. And maybe like our family a little bit is too. It's not that unusual within our family to say like, oh, but didn't you see ghosts in that house, you know, to each other. 
with, you know, cousins and stuff. So maybe we think it's just normal and, you know, something you don't realize growing up. Maybe we just think it's normal. So she didn't do anything because she just thought it was fine. She didn't sense any danger. She later said, you know, after hearing me talk about it one night, she said, you know, I actually would hear when the window was open, there was the lot next to us used to be empty. The same guy owned both lots, but the empty lot was sold to somebody to build a house. But when the lot was empty, she would hear guys just like hanging out, talking like they were all just like sitting around a campfire, like having a beer, smoking a cigarette, that kind of, you know, talking. Nobody was there. She would just hear that. And she kind of didn't think that much of it then either. She was like, oh, okay. You know, so they're out there talking, you know, that's fine. So growing up, my bedroom was always like where you would get the best sleep, just peaceful. Mrs. Bauer, I think was just always in there with me and it was no big deal. And I didn't think that much of it until I was about 12. So I don't know if it means her husband died or summoned to the family, or I was just like 12 and I was old enough. I don't know was sitting at my desk with a giant computer because they were giant then. And she just like walked out from a wall, like the corner of the room, stood behind me. I could feel her like, you know, touch my shoulders. She stood there. And then I saw her like walk out the door, like just all out of the corner of my eye, like a, like a mist, shadow, smoke, something, you know, just something. I knew it was her. Never again. She just, that's when she left. She said goodbye. And I never had any sense of her again. Cool. So I grew up just being like, I grew up with a ghost and I, and I was just always very aware of who she was, like that she was there and that she was with me, but I just didn't even think that was weird either. And, you know, we grew up Ouija boards at sleepovers, you know, light as a feather, stiff as a board at sleepovers, all that stuff was just like a normal part of the conversation. So I never thought anything of any of it. And, you know, as a teenager, you go to Bachelor's Grove and, you know, you take pictures and think you find ghosts, you know, and really probably everybody got the same lens flare in their pictures, right, as everybody else. Right. And, you know, but you really thought you had something, so there was no internet to, like, compare. And you grow up seeing ghosts and you grow up, you know, having those experiences and having some experiences at Bachelor's Grove. And, and then that's when life took over, you know, so... Um, later worked at a really scary um, assisted living place, very haunted, very scary. And then, then that's when I became a nurse shortly thereafter and didn't see anything for years. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, for whatever reason, ghosts will hang around people if they like them, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, and we'll, when they're ready to go, they'll come by and say goodbye, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, uh, I, I I tell this story all the time, but my dad, he passed away in 2012. And then from oh. like 2017 to 2019, I was kind of going through a bad time. And he and and he was around, you know, he came and made sure I was I was OK, you know, for the. Yes. And, uh, and then once everything straightened out and I was I started doing better, uh, he left, you know. Yeah. And and that was it. You know, and, and I haven't felt him around uh, at all, but it, it, it just, it was just, I don't know. I can't explain it. I just knew he was there. I knew he was around and, um, he gave me a sign one day by flicking the light switch on, you know? And so I had moved outside of San Antonio for a couple of years. And when I came back to Houston, I was telling my mom, and I was like, you know, I said, dad was around me. I said, he was always around. I said, and I said, I just knew he was, he was there. And I, I told her about the light switch. 
flicking on. And she was right there with me and the light switch flicked on in the kitchen. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just a perfect, perfect time. And I told her, I told her, I said, yeah, I said the hallway light flicked on and I told her, you know, the light came on. I heard the noise. And as soon as I said that, the light switch in the kitchen flicked on, you heard it and you saw the light come on. Well, he was not going to pass up that opportunity for both yeah. of you. Like with both of you right there, of course yeah. you, you know, had to do it. Oh, I love that. Well, if you like that story, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you another story I think you really love. So last year in April, my mom turned 72. Uh, we had a big party for her. We had a, this big mariachi band come. And oh. play, right? um, so there was like me, my brother, my sister, and our kids and grandkids were all there. And uh, my, my dad's twin brother and his wife, my aunt, were there. And uh, that was on a Sunday. On that Monday, they had plans to go to the cemetery where my dad's buried. My brother, my sister, my niece, and my, my Uncle James and my Aunt Patty were going to go too. But it wound up raining really bad that Monday, so they didn't go. And uh, that Tuesday, I called my brother because I, did, I didn't realize they hadn't gone. So I called my brother and said, hey, man, how did the trip go? You know. And uh, he's like, oh, we wind up not going because it rained. I said, okay. He says, but I got something to tell you. He said, at the party... Uh, Maddie, which is my youngest niece at the time, she was 15. He's like, she came up to me at the party and said, Hey, I keep hearing grandpa's voice. And he's saying that uh, he's glad grandma has a party, that she deserves it, and Aww. that, uh, and, that he, and, and that he loves her, right? Oh. And I said, Really? And he goes, Yeah. He goes, But check this out. He said, When, I, when Uncle James called me not that Monday to say, Hey, let's not go because it's raining, he, my uncle told my brother, Hey, I got something to tell you. At the party, your aunt, which is you know, my uncle's wife, he goes, your aunt heard your dad's voice. And he told her that he was glad my mom had was having a party, that she deserved it, and that when her time comes, that he would be there for her. Oh. And my aunt and my niece, neither one of them knew that the other one had heard basically the same message. Oh, geez. I have goosebumps. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was, that was. That was that was good confirmation for me that, you know, that, that he's around, you know, yeah. he around me anymore. I'm, I'm glad to know that he, that he still comes around, you know, the family. So, well, and even it's so nice, like, because I'm sure at like a party like that, a big birthday for your mom and everything, you know, you really are saying, Oh, I wish dad could be here, you okay. know? And, and he's just saying, yeah, no, I am. And please do keep, you know, doing the good things. And, but I am here, you know, Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. yeah that was a good story um yeah. and, and the funny thing about it is that my mom and dad they were divorced but they still loved each other believe it or not they i mean my dad, <laughs> they, they did my dad was my dad was something else i was gonna say that but uh he's he still loved my mom my mom still loved him very Aww. much you know? yeah but uh yeah so i, I I'm, I'm glad to know that he'll be there for her you know when, when her time comes so that's that's what he said <laughs> I love that but, so much. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that gives people hope, and I hope it gives people hope. They don't know that there yeah. is something else after this world, you know, and and that we do continue on, and that we are able to come back and visit when we want, you know. I think that's huge. No, I believe my grandma visited me in dreams, just to kind of, you know, about when, um, about when she left. You know, stuff was, you know, a little rocky in my life and kind of settling into things. And I think she, I, I definitely believe she would come and visit, you know, cause it wasn't just like a dream about my grandma. It was her coming back and just kind of being there with me. 
And that was, I think that was really valuable for me, you know, to just know, you know, she's still here. She's still part of, part of us, part of, you know, all of this. And that's huge. I really believe that, that uh, some dreams are just dreams, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But I do believe that we can be visited in our dreams. And Mm -hmm. uh, I've had three dreams of my dad where they weren't just dreams. You know, I just, I I just, you know, uh, one of the one of the the weird dreams I had was uh, I don't know where I was at. I, was, I don't know if I was like at an airport or a bus depot, but people were coming and going. People had luggage, right? Yeah. I saw my uncle Abel, my aunt B, my uncle Joe, and my dad. They're, all four of them have been, you know, have had passed, and none of them said anything to me. None of them talked to me, but we all made eye contact. You know, it was. Just, and, but I saw some of my other uh, cousins that were there that are still with us, and I talked to them. But, interesting. Oh, interesting. So you talked the living you got to talk to. And so when I was telling somebody who interprets dreams about this dream, they were like, maybe you were somewhere where people come and go, you know, did you, okay. So then important question, did you talk to like, after you woke up, you know, those cousins, the living people, did you ask them about it? I told them about the dream, but uh, we didn't go into depth too much. So they didn't go, Oh my God, I talked to you last night too. Right, like they yeah. didn't have that same dream. No. No. Okay, because that would be the yeah, that would be wild. Yeah, yeah, that would be wild. But in in that dream, I introduced my my grandson to my dad in oh. that dream. So maybe that was part of it, you know, introducing him to you know my little grandson. You know, so I don't know. Well, yeah, and like symbolically, you know, just I don't even symbolically. I think is not even the word I'm looking for, but just to at like a bus or a train depot that is, you know, I think maybe represented to you i feel like they put you in a space you could understand right exactly yeah you know that's what you would interpret it as you know maybe who knows what it really looks like but for you to be able to understand this is the space we're in yeah Yeah, like i said people are coming and going they had luggage my uncle joe when he passed me he had one of those little rolling luggages and he just walked right by me didn't say anything you know (laughs) same same with my aunt b she had she had like a bag or something in her hand and walked right by me I love this so much. That's a really cool, like, just the thought of it, that they are. They have places to go. They have things going on. And and you're all just meeting up for this little bit in the middle. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And um, so that's, like, one of the reasons why I, I don't go to the cemetery. And it's not because, like, uh, um, like, I don't believe, like, in visiting. I just know that my dad's around, and I don't mm-hmm. need to go there to visit him, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. Yeah. That's such a personal decision, like going to a cemetery or not. And like, you know, different families feel different ways. You know, like for the first couple of years, I didn't go just because it was hard for me Mm -hmm. to go, you know. But then after I had those experiences with my dad, it's like, he's around. He'll come around. Yeah. (laughs) You know, yeah. So So like, um, what's some of your, do you record at all? Do you have cameras or EVP sessions? So yeah, I usually, so one of my favorites and some kind of, I think some of our best evidence, I um, like live and die by my cell phone and because <laughs> it's just, it's always with me. One of my, actually Christine, who's um, watching, um, I still am, you know, holding on to one of her cameras. I, you know, cause she's like, you know, Hey, for taking pictures, try this. And I, it's so much fun to use something else and have different tools, different. I have a voice recorder. I have, you know, 
her uh, real camera. I have all of these things, but I think for me, I get really, I just always have my cell phone, right? So I always just have extra batteries for that. Um, my favorite is just like we go into a space and start filming, you know, maybe somebody else we, you know, again, like cell phone, just kind of laziness. Like we love the Necrophonic app. That's so easy. And it's right there with you all the time rather than like carrying around a spirit box or another recorder. Um, so some of our best stuff, honestly, has just been like somebody with their Necrophonic app and me just recording, you know, and you get some cool things. Um, probably my coolest, um, and I just happened to be taping when we were just like hanging out. My coolest was we were standing, uh, just kind of a group of us in a space and, and I laugh cause it was just such a funny experience too, like, and spooky. Um, my friend Rob and I were across the room for each other. Other people, including Christine were, you know, were present. Um, but we were just standing there and we we're kind of talking, I think using the necrophonic app maybe. And we heard, I, a breath, it, the breath just, just super loud. And it was, you know, not an EVP. It was direct, you know, voice phenomenon. We heard it. But the funny thing, I heard that and I thought it was my friend Rob across the room. And I was like, and in my head, I, I distinctly remember going, why is he being so weird? Why would he do that? Like, who's, who is just sitting in this room going, <laughs> so then like, then there's just silence, you know, just absolute silence. None of us are saying anything for what felt like a long time. And I remember thinking that was so weird of him. And then, then he goes, did you just breathe really loud? And I go, what? No, I no, you did. And we realized that, you know, we caught it on the video. I mean, of course it was just audio because it was dark and everything, but we, we caught it and it's, you know, me holding the camera, I swear, you know, and then recorder by default, I swear the sound came from across the room from him, you know, 20 feet away. Right, he right. swore he heard it across the room coming from me. Right. But to hear it like through the camera sounds like it was literally like breathing into it. It was clearer than me talking, you know, when we listened to it. Um, so that was like, that was kind of like, that's my favorite, not just because we caught something and it was so concrete, but also because it was just so funny to me that I thought he was just being so weird and he thought I was being so weird, but instead it was just a ghost, you know, breathing. Um, you know, that same day, like some really funny or interesting, you know, just on the Necrophonic app, you know, things that got said, that's probably those are probably some of my best, but yeah, usually it's like a cell phone and just what can we get, you know, and hopefully, and I'm, I will admit I'm the worst at wanting to re-listen to these things or wanting to rewatch them. I just kind of, I lazy girl it. I'm like, I'm just going to put it on YouTube and send you the link. And how about you watch it? <laughs> you know, they'll ask, okay, what, did you get anything? I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know. So I, you know, sometimes maybe the best time that I'll actually like watch or listen is if I go to the gym, put earbuds in and okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, okay. So for everybody, I'll read the question. Hey, Kara, how many times have you been to Joliet? What was your favorite part about the location? Uh, good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. That's the place I'm talking about. So, um, countless times. And um, 
What do you say? What was your favorite So what was part? my favorite part? Um, everything. It was like home. So yeah, everything. Yeah. Um, I love it. Yeah. No, I love the daytime. I love the, you know, kind of cleaning. I love the history of it. I love the maintaining it. I love, you know, being a caretaker, but I love the nighttime paranormal tours. Oh, I could tell. How about I'll tell a cool one because I think this is this is one of my favorite. And this is Dave Schrader just told about it on his story. It was when he was recently there in uh, May. We were there on the tour with him. So and this is cool because it involves so many people. I think that's why this is cool. And he talks about it on his show, too. It's a huge site. So first of all, it's huge. Um, Dave Schrader was with his group in the uh, death row or North segregation. Same thing, you know, uh, just different floors of the same building. And he was with somebody and he actually put on a show like a direct voice phenomenon. There's some debate on what it said. I think it said mockingly, hey, Dave, or hi, or I'm Dave. I'm Dave. It sounded like I'm Dave kind of mockingly. Um, some people hear it as I'll sing, which would also apply because they were talking about singing because people would sing when people were uh, going to death or just sing to entertain the prisoners or keep them, you know, comfort them. So everybody interprets it a little bit differently, but it was a direct voice phenomenon that they heard. So they heard it from outside and you hear on the recording, Dave says, what was that? They go outside to look. So when he goes outside to look, he looks towards the school and chapel. Again, same building, one side is school, one side is chapel. Um, and he saw a bunch of flashlights in the school and there was not supposed to be anyone there. It was locked. And, you know, it was like a five or six flashlights really kind of almost looking, you know, we kind of said, oh, it almost looked like somebody doing their own investigation or their own tour. You know, it was, it was dark, and but nobody should have been in there. At the same time, uh, my group that I was with, we happened to be outside of chapel, uh, not chapel, uh, hospital. And straight ahead was the school, but way across the yard. So it was pretty far away. And we at the same time saw those five or six flashlights all kind of flashing around. And we we said, totally not knowing what was going on, what they were seeing, what they were, you know, anything. We really said, oh, come on, who's in there? Nobody is supposed to be, you know, we're like, nobody's supposed to be in there. What is going on? Why are they in there? Um, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what are they doing? That's off the tour. Um, and we were saying, what are we going to do about this rotation here? You know, cause now we got to rotate sites and that's not part of the rotation. You know, we're all just kind of erring about it. Then we did see Dave went in with one of the other employees. So two flashlights, we saw their flashlights walk across once and walk back after all those flashlights, because we found out Dave did go in with one employee and they walked, you know, there and back just to see like what's going on. They never found anything. They left, locked it all back up. It was all locked the whole time and went back to their group. Nobody thought that much of it. We're just like, oh, who are those yahoos in walking around in the school when you're not supposed to? And are is that on the tour now? Did we change plans and somebody didn't share the information? Who knows? To find out that like so many people witnessed this. So many people saw those flashlights and right away somebody went and checked. Everything was still totally secure nobody was there. And those were bright flashlights. It wasn't just like a point of light. And so many, that's probably, I don't want to say, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's my most recent really cool story that 
is amazing because so many people experienced it and people that were there their first time ever, you know, saw those flashlights and had no idea that they weren't real. And so then that's the question too, like with that, what did we see? Cause that, it looked maybe like a ghost hunt. Did we see like, you know, time slip, you know, cause when we talk about hauntings, is it, you know, time folding in on itself, who's haunting who kind of a thing, or is it, you know, or is it a sentient spirit really still lingering or, you know, what is it exactly? And that was, if we're thinking about, and I think it's all of the above, whenever you're talking about hauntings, it could be any of those. And with that one, I feel like we just saw like a little bit of the future, a little bit of the past, you know, somebody was haunting somebody and who knows who it was, you know, we just saw a time fold a little bit because that looked just like, just like six people, five, six people walking through with flashlights at night on a ghost hunt. So that was yeah, cool. Awesome. I thought that was the coolest. And I feel like that original like direct voice phenomenon from just outside, like to get his attention, I think was to get his attention to make him come see it. Like, oh. come on out, come look at come look at what's going on out here. Right. And he came out and saw it and was like, What's what's happening? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. And I, I never thought about it like that, like a time slip, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I I think there is like residual hauntings, of course, you know. And uh yeah, but I never thought about it like that. Maybe, maybe it's a time slip, and maybe, uh, you know, we're just seeing the different times, you know, like in the timeline. Maybe. Did something, even that same, was it the same night or the other? It was a two-night investigation. Even one of the nights, might have been the same night, we, um, we were in one of the cell blocks, and there's one that there's something that doesn't feel good, at least to a couple of us, maybe not everybody, but something that maybe doesn't like some of us. And I never, I never, not ever stand there. I never hang out right there. I never, I will always just kind of say, I'll be over there. And I keep walking. So that night, um, Dave was with our group in that area. So of course, I mean, let's be honest. I went with him. I enjoy hanging out with him. It's cool. So I went and pretty quick just followed him right with the group and was, and I was actually recording. Fortunately, that made it a lot cooler. The story is more verified, I guess, by recording. So I was started recording as he was trying to get EVPs and I still have that. And two of my friends had lingered behind in that same spot that I don't like. So I, I certainly wasn't there. They lingered kind of looking because you can almost see, you know, light isn't right is how we describe it. It's just not right. Something is there. And they lingered. They both independently turned around, looked back and saw me, you know, that, that I was like leaning behind something behind them. I didn't say anything to them. Um, one of them said, oh, you're probably just like looking at your phone. You know, your face was lit up. Like I saw your hair. I saw your face. It was lit up like you were holding your phone. The other one said, yeah, I don't know about that. But like I looked back and I saw you, you know, you were very much there. They both kind of turned around, like said something to me and I didn't answer. They turned around to be like, where why is she ignoring us now? You know, what's going on? And I wasn't there, like suddenly wasn't there. They come running in. And I mean, it was, believe I believe this because the way they came running in, they go, oh my God, you're here. Uh-huh. How long have you been here? And I'm like, I don't know. I've been here a little while. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you I don't, I don't know. And then I realized I was taping and I said, well, this long, much longer than that would have suggested. So that would be my first doppelganger there, but not the first doppelganger there. Hearing voices of our friends and stuff is really, really normal there. But that's the first time I got to have one. 
But, you know, I say, was that a doppelganger? Was that like, was that something trying to be me? Or really, was it like a time slip? How many times have I probably leaned right in that same spot? Probably holding my cell phone. You know, that's, did they just see something? Okay, when first opened, my group helped with running groups in a winter night with Chris Fleming. I got a weird apparition in the basketball court. That pick ended up. Oh, so yeah, I mean, all believable, right? Absolutely. Should I read it out loud for the people at home? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, when it first opened, my group helped with running groups on a winter night with Chris Fleming. I caught a weird apparition in the basketball court. That pick ended up in Ursula Bielski's book. I loved the hospital section. So um, my follow-up question, do you mean like the West Side basketball court? Uh, probably is what you meant. Um, so yeah, no, I... I believe it. So if we're talking about that basketball court, that would be where, so West segregation is right there where people, uh, West Seg and PC. So people that protective custody where people need to be protected. So like say police officers, you know, we don't want, we don't want anything to happen to them when they're on the inside or even just somebody um, like a pedophile is at danger in prison and maybe rightfully so. Right. But <laughs> you'll have to protect them. So they might be in protective custody um, to keep them safe for themselves. Uh, and then it shares like a cell block basically with uh, segregation. So if you're like solitary confinement for a period, you're going to be in there too. So right from there is the basketball court and like a series of basketball courts actually that you get to go outside for one hour during the day and you just then get locked in this basketball court. Okay. So, or one of the basketball courts. So it's very reasonable, like to catch something of somebody in the basketball court, right? Like that's, that's all they got to go outside. That's all they had. It might be where they kind of feel trapped or yeah. where, because when you talk about a prison, do they know they can leave? I don't know. You know, do they, um, oh yeah. So, oh, okay. So Christine, so Christine was there that night. So her comment. Okay, let me read it. So Shane, Shane Pittman. Uh, Shane and I swear we saw Rob in gallery two later. I think I even texted you. She sure did. I was actually sitting next to Rob pretty far away from there. And, um, you know, literally, I, I, I literally took a selfie of me and Rob to prove that he was with me because she was so, she was like, we saw him. Um, so whatever was going on that night, that was the same night like that they saw me. I was like, oh my God, they just saw me. Um, they they really, they saw him. And Rob is a very distinct man. There is nothing um, undistinct. He is a large man. He walks a certain way. You know, he is a presence. Um, you know, larger than life, you know, personality and just everything. And he always wears overalls. Um, you know, so just everything about it is so distinct. And... Yeah. You know, Christine and Shane know him, you know, they know this man right. and they, they saw him, you know, so we're talking about like, you know, good friends, you know, people that we know well that we're seeing or hearing. There was even a night, you know, a couple of years ago that we heard Rob talking that we just know, you know, so, I mean, he's our, you know, one of our best friends. We know when he's talking. So these, these spirits mean to imitate us, you know, they mean to make it known that for whatever reason, whether it's a act of affection or there's some goal that they have, I don't know, but they definitely do imitate us for sure. And Rob is one of their focuses. So, 
but no, they definitely, I had to laugh. I was like, no, he's with me. <laughs> he is for sure not with you. And so, yeah. And they, saw, they both very much saw him. Yeah, yeah. Well, we appreciate you, Greg. Thank you for tuning in, buddy. So uh, other than when you saw that shadow and they sent you running, have you ever been like legit scared? Like you didn't know whether or not you wanted to go back. So, okay. I'll tell you about the time I was most scared, but I, but then the second part of the question that you didn't know if you wanted to go back, I've never wanted to not go back okay. to the campus. I'll specify. So the time I was most scared and I did end up going through the same space. There was one evening that we were spending some time there. Some of us that we were able to linger after the work we did. Um, we put in a whole lot of, a whole lot of work, uh, maintaining the site and doing a lot of things. So we lingered for the day and three of us women were walking around and everybody else, most people were kind of, most of the group was just out front hanging out. And we said, let's go walk around. It's nighttime. It's dark in a lot of the spaces, even during the day, but like at night, you know, of course it's special, right? So, and this is before a lot of the paranormal tours really got started. So it was pretty novel. So we're walking around. It was a nice, nice time. Good time. The three of us walking around, we have our flat, I think literally one flashlight between the three of us, you know, just again at that. So at that point, I will say that's before I saw my guard and before I really even said, yeah, there's anything even really here. So I really didn't think I was going to see anything. I just was exploring and it was fun. So we go um, up the stairs to an area uh, to the showers. And if you think about a prison where there are a few places where the inmates can interact and that's the inmate dining room or, or like a, where they would eat, you know, the eating area, they can interact there. So you'll kind of get, you know, interactions there, but also the shower. The shower is also the one place where the guards can't keep eyes on you at all the time, at all times. And things can happen in a shower, right? So it's not, um, it's, it tends to be kind of a violent place, not just where you're going to take a shower. It's kind of a violent place. So if things are going to happen, maybe, maybe they might happen in the showers. And there are areas of the showers, the way they're built, that the guards wouldn't have had eyes at all times on everybody. And the guards were not walking around in the shower room. They were in there safely in their area. So if things were going to happen, you might not have been really safe. So showers can be active places. So we walked in from like a guard area and we crossed the corner into the shower and we we're about to walk through, honestly. But then we heard the shower pulls. It's like, you know, I think of like a pool too. A pool has them, just a pull, you know, or probably high school gyms a pole with the shower spigots off of it. And we hear a loud bang, bang, bang. Like somebody is hitting like a pipe or a stick or something off of this pole, right? Like loud. It is there. It is echoing in this room. The one with the flashlight, the one, we're doing this with one flashlight. The one with the flashlight turns, looks at where it's coming from. And she doesn't like react. There's nothing. And then she like kind of slowly turns because it's her and then us too, you know, kind of a little behind her. She's of course the shortest and she's this little tiny person. So we're like literally hiding behind her, like, like you could hide behind her. Uh, we hear this loud banging and she just kind of looks at us and her reaction was just like confused. I honestly, I don't know what she was like trying to convey to us with her face. I don't think she knew what she was trying to convey, but so she starts turning and literally she like turns her whole body with the flashlight. 
And then another same bang, 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 no change in rhythm, no change in anything. Same thing. Oh my God. Right. So she like quick flicks her whole body in the flashlight back to where she thinks it's coming from. And by that, we don't even know, like, I don't, at this point, I can't even process what's happening because I I'm going to be like, I still will always be more scared of real people, live people and what they're going to do. Why is there a live person? We don't know in this space, right? I am always going to be more scared of live people than a ghost because that's, who's going to really, in my perception, really hurt me. And this is, this was very concrete. This was a real sound. It was echoing. It was real. So that second time she hears it, she again, just looks blankly like in that direction with flesh. It was a big old flashlight. And then she like does the same thing, starts to turn like just her whole body and the whole flashlight turns towards us. And then it happened again. In that moment, we, she just like, her face just like dropped. She didn't turn again. She just like starts to turn more towards us in a moment of pain. I just, in my mind, every time she turned, she was looking at a real person. I don't know what I thought she was looking at because nobody talked. It was so like, it was just so concrete and real. I thought it was a real person. I thought something was going to happen that night. Like I thought we were dead, you know, honestly, because I thought it was a real person trying to scare us away. I don't know what I, I a real person would have just said, uh, and scared us away. Like that's all it would have taken. You didn't have to like bang on a pole three times, three <laughs> times. You didn't have to do all that. Just tell us to leave. We would have left. So we run down. So the two of us that were like cowering behind this little tiny nugget of a woman, <laughs> the two of us run down the, I remember like so well, we're arm in arm, like couldn't be any tighter. And I could just like feel us bouncing against each other all the way down the stairs. You had to go downstairs run through. And we just like, I, I bet our feet were in lockstep and we just were running. And I, you know, I'm just looking behind us just saying, Oh my God. And this poor one with the flashlight, she's going, you guys are leaving me slow down. And I said, just run, just run. And we finally get far enough away that I feel like we're not going to get murdered, you know, cause I'm just positive at this point. Like there is somebody in there I go, well, what did you see? What was there? She was nothing. Nothing was there. I go, but you heard it was coming from right there. You know, we knew what she was. She goes, yeah, it was. It was coming from right there, but there was nothing there. And I said, oh, no. Um, so we really wanted to leave a different way, right? You know, I did not want to go through there, um, but it is a prison. So if you don't open everything up, there's only so many paths through, right? So um, we didn't we had to go through there though, because of the way things were locked up already and what time of night it was. So we had to go through the same path. Her husband was still on the grounds. We made him meet us in that shower and made him like he was on the phone with her saying, yes, I'm here. Like it was not me. Yes, I'm here. I, I will meet you guys. And only when we heard his voice, did we even like walk close to the shower and then only when we saw him and then he's like, it's fine. You got like, oh my God, it's fine. Nobody's here. You know, it's fine. Nobody's here. And then we just like sprinted through with him. So that was the most scared I've ever been because I thought it was a real person, but there was no evidence of any real person. So everybody else is like, it was for sure a ghost, you guys. <laughs> like there was no real person. And I'm like, I don't know. That was, I was just sure it was. So I was terrified to go through that same space. I've been there since. It's fine. No big deal. Nothing like that has ever happened since. So I, to this day, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but <laughs> that was scary. And I hated to go through the same space minutes later. No, you're right about that. Even no matter where I'm at, if I'm in the woods or anywhere else, I'm more worried about more than I am. 
anything else. It's live people. They're the scary people, the live ones. Yeah, yeah. Even you know, I'm over. Even though there's hogs and coyotes and bobcats and anything else, I'm still more worried about people. Humans are the worst. Yep. Yeah, the yeah the living are the worst. Yeah, and the live humans are worse than the dead humans. So (laughs) we got to rank it. Yeah. Well, you know, we're already coming up at the end of the show here. Yeah, it went by pretty fast. Uh, one question I like to ask all my guests is, when you're not doing this, what are you doing? What are your other hobbies? Oh, my God. So I like to fill every minute of every day, I guess. So I um, so I work full time. I am in school. I am fortunately on a break with school. So it's fantastic. In mid-June, I'll start a six-month run of just being in school the whole time. So I'll be miserable, but actually really happy because that's how I want to be. And I'll just complain. Everyone around me just knows it's going to happen. And um, so otherwise in school, um, going to as many cool things as I could go to. So actually, uh, I will be uh, July 8th. I'm going to go to the Savage Race in the morning with my kids. That's what we do every year. But then right after that, I will clean up at the hotel. And I am going to be a panelist at Chris Fleming's Pop-Up Paracon in Woodstock, Illinois. So I'm so excited about that. I can't, I can't even, I definitely did a happy dance when he invited me. So I'm really excited about that. July 8th, uh, Woodstock, Illinois, whoever can come out, Chris Fleming's pop-up Paracon. Um, and then trying to fit in as much as I can on the weekends is what I'm busy doing. I have my podcast, Late Night Legends. We live stream Monday nights at nine o'clock central, YouTube and Twitch and Facebook. And um, we release on Thursdays on Spotify. Thank God I'm just a guest and not the producer because, or not a guest, a host and not the producer because our producer works so hard. Um, so yeah, just always, and really cramming everything into every moment as much as I can. Yeah. And you guys, all her information is in the description, all her channels and stuff. You guys are interested in her. Check her out, man. She's a good person. I'd highly recommend it. Checking her out. But um, Yeah. Follow me. Yeah, and everybody that was in the chat, thanks a lot. Your fan club was there in the chat, so <laughs> so thanks guys for you know for joining. Thank you as always. And um, I will see you guys Tuesday night. I, I do have a show Tuesday night, so I'll see you guys. And uh, thanks again, I appreciate it. And just hold on Thank real you. quick, everybody else, y'all have a good night. Good night.